Okay. Uh, and there'll be refreshments and drinks, and it won't be as hot as it is today. So that will also be quite something. Brilliant. Okay, Sim is speaking to us this morning. Sim, come on up. Yeah, you can, you can applaud him. We don't get to hear him that much these days, so it's a quite an occasion. Okay, and he's got stuff to give away. So um, uh, let's get somebody to come up and pray for him. Who would like to come and pray for Sim? Anybody, just come up here, grab the mic. You want to come and pray for Sim? Change your mind, Oscar. I'm sure you would have done. Henry's coming up. Thank you, Henry. Lord, we pray for this man this morning. We pray that you give him utterance, that, that he brings the word that you have for us all this morning. Let it come forth with power and let signs and wonders follow the preaching of the word in Jesus' name. Amen. Signs and wonders, huh? Um, I hope to make you wonder what the blazes is he going on about. Um, we're in a season where we get the opportunity to choose either a book or a biblical character other than Jesus um, to speak about, and I'm going to talk to you about Paul, who's my favorite character other than Jesus. And I've asked Janet if she'll come up and read two passages. We use the Bible in this church, and uh, she's going to choose, she's going to read two uh, passages from the Bible. Acts and Philippians. Morning. I'm reading from the New King James Version. Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven, and he fell to the ground and heard a voice speaking to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice but seeing no one. Then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. But they led him by the hand and brought him to Damascus. And he was there for three days without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Okay. Just going over to Philippians now, if I can press the... Um... So that was from Acts 9, so if you remember that passage. I'm shaking. Can I, have, can I lean on something? Um, where is it? Philippians. Philippians 3. 3. 
Right, Philippians 3. For we are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I also might have confidence in the flesh. If anyone else thinks he might have confidence in the flesh, I more so. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, that I might gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness which comes from God by faith, that I might know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed, conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Thank you, Janet. All right, Oscar. Yeah, you make it some waves. Um, it, it's interesting speaking, and I don't know what your hope is when somebody speaks to you and shares with you. See, my understanding of years of um, sitting and listening to thousands of people speak is I probably was pretty judgmental as a young man. I wasn't necessarily entertained or something didn't grab me. I think what I've learned is that not everything somebody says grabs you. But there is often a snippet that God brings to our hearts in a moment, in an instant, that grabs us. And that's what I want for you this morning. Even through the scripture read or the songs being played, what Rachel won't know is that um, when I survey the wondrous cross is one of my most favorite songs because it was a song played when I encountered Jesus as Paul encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus. But I did it as a 14 year old boy and my life was transformed from that day forward. I had been in church like many of us been in church and wanted as a teenager, as a young boy, to be a good Christian. I was pretty rubbish at it until I encountered Jesus, just as Paul encountered Jesus. And I found, probably like Paul, that they then didn't have to try to be a good Christian. Some things just changed instantly with me. For me, it was swearing. I stopped swearing. The other thing, I stopped stealing. Okay, as a 14-year-old, I was pretty good at stealing. 
Um, but God changed me in an instant, and I found when I went back to school that I'd stopped swearing. And I found, too, that I could read the Bible in a way that I'd not before. In the past, I'd started, like Chris Jels, he spoke about Genesis. Genesis was one of my favorite books because I always would start reading the Bible at Genesis. I'd get to Leviticus and stop. So I read Genesis a lot of times, and I quite liked it. Um, but Leviticus I really struggled with. But when, at 14, God transformed me, I started to read Paul. And Paul's letters discipled me. Um, he wrote about things that people never talked to me about. He talked to me as a teenage boy about sex, about marriage, about love, about faith, about church, about division, about ambition, about work. He talked to me about spiritual gifts. He talked to me about weaknesses. Do you know, I got married at 20, and it was because I was discipled by Paul. I did not want to have sex before marriage. And we didn't. Do you, know, do you know, sexual immorality, Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 6, he categorizes sin. He said most sins are done outside the body. Sexual sin is to your own body. It damages you in a way that probably we don't understand and I can't really explain to you. But Paul seems to suggest it damages you in a way that other sins don't. And so as a young man, I believed that. I did not want to sleep with Ruth before we got married. So that's why we got married quick, all right? Because I knew my flesh was weak. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 7, don't let yourself burn, get married. That's what I said to Ruth. I can't, I can't do this for much longer. Let's get married. Ruth's parents were freaked. They were freaked 10 months later when we had the baby because they didn't understand contraception either. Doesn't tell you much about that in there, does it? <laughs> but as a teenager, I was getting my own revelation out of Paul's writings. And probably one of the first things that I struggle to still understand sometimes is the area of faith. What is faith? I sat in meetings where we got to stir it up, apparently. And then I read, Paul says in Ephesians 2, faith is a gift. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So I just was reading the Bible and whatever. But, but sometimes you, when you read stuff and you pray stuff, for Jesus said you can pray and move a mountain. I've tried it. Have you tried moving a mountain? It doesn't work unless there's faith there. I've tried walking on water. I'm not very good at that either. Swimming pools, I've tried. It's good fun trying. And, um, but faith. I reckon sometimes we don't know it's faith until we look back. Oh, that must have been faith. We've just moved house. We're just in um, a much bigger house than we thought it was. 
in COVID times, you get limited time to walk around a house. And, and that's what we had, limited time. And limited time to make an offer and, and get into a place. I think we walked it round once. It took us 15, 20 minutes. Ruth went, went round again um, with um, a tape measure to see if the bunk beds would fit in a room. We've discovered three sets of bunk beds would fit in the room she was trying to get them into. It's absolutely true, yeah. Mark and Nestor have had the opposite. They, they realized the house was smaller than they thought. Um, and it's COVID, you just didn't get the time to look. But we look now and go, we moved in faith to do that. We didn't realize we're doing that. I mean, most of the time I sat in church meetings or sit in church meetings, and when people talk about living by faith, they mean the minister at the front who doesn't really have much of a salary. Do you know what? If we are not all living by faith, whether you're working for Halfords, whether you're a cleaner, whether you're a student, whether you're a working mum, whether you're gardening, whether you're doing a job for a charity, whether you're working for the government, if you're not doing it by faith, it's sin, the Bible tells us. We all have to live by faith. Oh my goodness. But faith is a gift which means we have to go to a place of encounter regularly so that whatever we're doing, whether we're moving house or moving on or moving somewhere, has to be by faith. Has to be by faith. Can't be by anything else. We can't live a life of rules and regulations. We have to live by faith. And it comes from one place. It comes from encounter with Jesus. And some of those grab you. As a 14-year-old boy, my heart was wanting an encounter with Jesus. I, wa I wanted to stop trying to be a good Christian. I needed help. I needed the Holy Spirit. I needed his faith to allow me to walk a godly life. 40 years later, or maybe it was 30 years later, you, you know, I stopped biting my nails I bit my nails since I was 40, five years old and at 45 I stopped. I had another encounter in the middle of the night with Jesus. I had a dream and he changed me. He dealt with some deep insecurities in my heart that I didn't even know I'd got and I stopped buying my nails. Encounter with Jesus changes everything and we're meant to live by encountering him. So how do we do that? Three years ago, three and a bit years ago, we were on holiday in Mexico. It wasn't my favorite holiday because, although ho hotel and water was good, the seaweed came and stank the place out. We had seaweed piling up on the beach. Neil Murphy should have been there. We booked the holiday with him and he wasn't there. And I was sad. The night before we were meant to leave, somebody saw a post of me that I placed on Facebook and his name was Wolfgang. Don't know whether you remember Wolfgang. He attended Worcester University and um, he and, and I spent a lot of time together. And um, anyway, he said, I'm two miles away. Where are you? I'm coming to see you. He had backslidden and on the beach in Mexico, we knelt and prayed. 
together. And he wept for the first time. I've got five minutes. Oh, my goodness. Okay, I've only just started. Anyway, (laughs) he wept. Three years later, I get this text from him as I'm preparing reading Acts 9. Something big spiritually happened last night, Saturday the 6th of August this month. Well, your morning, the Lord came to me out of the blue, big time. I only had time to repent for one second when he came. It's time. For three years, I've been in contact with him, praying for him. It would be wrong for me to say regularly, but when he comes to mind, I would text him. And um, I pray for him. And God's met him. He's been away from the Lord since he left Worcester. And now he's back. He's had an encounter with Jesus. And I, you know, around my house now, my back garden, are fields. And we have been walking around these fields ready for harvest, praying for harvest. And I was been thinking of seeds and prayers that we have sown that have been dead or they feel like they're dead. And I feel like Jesus wants to say they can come alive again. And I just, I wondered what seeds you have sown, what prayers you've prayed. And so I did a bit of Ruth. In the book of Ruth, she went gleaning. So I've been gleaning. So I've bought you something. I want to hand them round. You can hand them round. There's some seeds. There's some wheat. And I want you to take one. It might not be enough for everyone. So if one family takes them, I want you to take it away with you and look at it to remind you of the seeds that you've sown that you think are dead. Because every seed has to die before it comes alive again. So I want you to take that away with you. And you might even want to plant it in your garden. You might get wheat or barley. I'm not not clever enough to know (laughs) which it is at the moment. But because Wolfgang was one of my seeds three and a bit years ago on a beach, We prayed again, but I sowed into him 20 years ago. And I'm sowing into him now, and he's in Mexico. So he's pretty much in touch with me every other day at the moment. What worship music? I'm out of touch with worship music, he said. What worship music should I listen to? You know, stuff like that. Anyway, um, that's my first part. Look, encounters change everything. Encounters with Jesus change everything. Philippians 3, okay, when Paul talks about, so so that was me as a teenager. Now, I want more encounters. And I suppose my encounters most recently have taught me a few things, just like Paul writes in Philippians 3. I suppose... Growing up as a teenager and as a young man, I had pretty fixed views of certain things. I read that Bible and I believed what I believed and, and I believed other things because of my education, my upbringing, 
my standing, my personality, my values, my principles, my work. I grew up, and we went to many churches. My dad was a leader in most churches we went to. Paul had an incredible heritage and history. He said, I was circumcised on the eighth day. I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. As to the law, I'm righteous. I read Leviticus. It's really difficult to keep all those laws. If he trimmed his wrong hair, he's in trouble. You know, if he touched somebody who was um, sick or, a, you know, a woman at the wrong time of the month, he's broke the law. He's done everything wrong. He was of the tribe of Benjamin. He had a great family history. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He did everything possibly he could to be right. And then he goes on to say, I counted it all rubbish, dung, absolute tosh. All my education, all my intelligence, the way I think, the way I was brought up, the things I hold dear. And I think we all have to come to that place. If we want real fullness of life with God, where we have to say, it doesn't really work, does it? That way of living. It has to all come through encounter with Jesus. It has to all come through that place. And I think I'm over 50 now and I'm learning I'm learning. I feel like a baby in so many ways. A baby in prayer. A baby in understanding what fullness of life really looks like. Of realizing that many of the things, Sarah and I have been out walking and she, she shares some things with me and my heart goes, oh no, that's what I taught you. I'm really sorry. You know, and I did it because I thought it was the right way to bring somebody up. And then you realize, oh dear, you've made a big mess. I count it all rubbish. And we have to come to that place. Richard Raw says it comes via two things, great love or great suffering. And we want the great love of God to transform us the great love of God to change the way we have lived our lives so that we live full lives. We want, you know, it's, if you're right, life has been rubbish. It's easy to count everything as the past rubbish. But if you think it's been good, if you think you've done pretty well, then it's really difficult to go. It's all rubbish. But it's all rubbish. It's only when we encounter Jesus live by faith and walk in a new way of living and thinking that it becomes absolute life. And so my prayer is for you that you grab hold of something, a little bit of seed. Maybe there's a seed that you've sown. Maybe there's something in your past that you're going, oh, I've prayed for that. I thought it was dead. I want you to revive it, to pray for it again. Maybe you can have a Wolfgang 
I've got others that I'm praying for. I'm in, I'm in touch with Stephen Wong. You, you know he's away from the Lord at the moment. But I'm in touch with him. Again, when the Lord leads me, I just, or when it comes to mind, I just text him. I'm praying for him. He's given me hope. I want him back. My best man is away from God. I want him back. He's given me hope. So let's pray. Let's just ask God. Uh, Jesus, uh, what we really want is encounters with you. We know that um, we can't be changed by anything else. That it's all rubbish apart from you. And that faith to live this life comes through encounter with you and a gift that you give us and eyes that see again in a new way. And I want to pray for each of us this morning that we see you in a, in a new and real way. Amen.